down to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey's hey! Welcomes back to that last comic place. <laughs> hey, hey! As you know, this is Louie, and uh, I was wondering, hey, Pete, do you know if they's got any more of those Red Sonia's books here at this comic shop place? I don't know, but there's something about a girl in a chainmail bikini that makes me worry about her temperature regulation. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. She's got the nice tomatoes. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, guys. You're just making those voices up because Chad's not here. When Chad's away, the dorks will play. Oh, that is true. That is true. But, J.A., who are we, actually? We are the last comic book shop, and most days it is not... Not weird men in the corner, or I don't know what you guys. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It really, is. <laughs> it really is. It still is. <laughs> I am the host with the most, Danny Larson, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, uh, J. Scott, and of course uh, our wonderful friend Mikey Wood, who's in on a bevy of episodes, especially this year in 2023. Man, you've been like you've been a regular here. I'm your Fonzie. It's true. You're the breakout <laughs> character of the show. Uh, we should start uh, charging you rent, though, because, right. like, I don't know. I, I keep on waking up and all the cereal's gone. That's true. <laughs> I likes it. <laughs> hey, Mikey. <laughs> but as Jay alluded to, uh, Chad Smith, our other regular co-host, is out for the week on vacation. Or maybe he got snapped away. Ooh. Why would he be get snapped away, J.A.? Because we are reading the Infinity Gauntlet and uh, a little amuse-bouche in the form of Thanos Quest. Oh, nice. Now, this is your pick, right? It is my pick. I went. I also went in Whole Hog and, and just read the Omni. Oh, wow. Well, real quickly, since we're talking about the Omni, you can get uh, all of Infinity Gauntlet in an omnibus. What also does that include, J.A.? Well, you get Thanos Quest, and then you get all of the Infinity Gauntlet crossover tie-in books. So okay. a lot of Silver Surfer, and then, you know, you get a Hulk book, Spider-Man, Quasar. I think there's even a Sleepwalker. Yes, you can get a sleep. There's even a Sleepwalker issue. Oh, boy. And you read all of it. You went whole hog and read even all of the cross-in tie-ins. No. <laughs> I was going to say. I, I delved into some of the Silver Surfers in the run-up. It's really interesting when they made the MCU movie how much they took from the art some of these iconic panels recreated it, of mm. course, with the wrong characters because they didn't have the Silver Surfer and they didn't have Adam Warlock and they got rid of all of the nuance in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline and just really just kept the, the gemstones. Yeah, and I, am, and I am so thankful for that. Wow! Oh, it's a hot take on either side. It's a hot take. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll I can't get... wait for that discussion because it looks like we're on opposite <laughs> sides of that fence for sure. Well, we'll, well I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, well, as we'll get to my part of the review hmm. in just a second. Um, if you are really interested in reading the Infinity Gauntlet, there's a lot of stuff from the late 70s uh, that basically Jim Starlin did, which is also incredibly important for you to read, at least in my Cosmic, opinion. Cosmic Cube. Cosmic Cube stuff and Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2, I think, which is where Thanos first dies. And it's there's We'll get to it. The whole we'll Captain Marvel stuff with Drax and Thanos and yes. all that stuff. See? 
was already educating yous on this shows. Big dumb Drax. <laughs> but you know, one other thing we'd like to educate you on is what happened with our weekly polls. That's right. Every couple of weeks, somebody tells me we got to do this thing. We recap the weekly polls that J.A. Scott has been nice enough to put out on our Twitter. Hopefully at some point, maybe it'll be on threads or I don't know, blue sky. We're also on those places too. It's really weird. Like I have to post like eight different places now, which is, Ooh, it just makes me mad. Any case, it's still on Twitter and we haven't done a poll recap in a while. So we have a lot of polls, right? J.A. We do. We do. But we're going to go through five today in, okay. the, in the spirit of not overwhelming people with stuff they might not be very interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, these are some corkers in terms of, uh, I think, Mikey Woods responses, given some of what you mentioned in the pre-show. So yeah. without further ado, let's go ahead and get to poll number one, J.A. What was it? What is your favorite X-Men era? And then I broke it down into a couple. You had the Claremont era which is like 70s, 80s. You had the blue and gold era. That's the Jim Lee sort of 1990s X-Men with uh, the launch of the X-Men book. And of course, you had then the animated series and all that stuff. Uh, You had the Morrison 2000s X-Men era and then the current Krakoan age. Yeah. The only one I think that was big that maybe was missed was uh, that whole Josh Whedon astonishing x-men i think a lot of folks are huge fans of joss wheaton and that i am anti-joss that's all right just wanted to throw that out there to those folks why didn't that was not included any case uh let's start off with mikey which one did you pick in this one oh grant morrison era absolutely i mean it's it's hard to pick because um I do like Claremont. Claremont is very this, and and we'll get into this uh, when we talk about Infinity Gauntlet. Claremont is also very verbose, and he has people just to, they talk way too f- much. Excuse me, <laughs> but Grant Morrison's take on the new X Men was really interesting and did something really different. And it was the first time I ever read the book, and, and it felt like there were actual stakes. Like, how are they going to get out of this one? Uh, the twists were surprise twists. Like, it was really, really unique and wonderful, and that's why so many fans hate it. So, oh. um, they so really I, did. At the time, I think I think in hindsight it's gotten a bit better audience, but at the time they really didn't like it. Well, it's um, one of the books I've never read, and simply because I know the twist with Magneto in it. So, like, I feel like yeah. that's already been spoiled. So, I'm like, oh. Well, that's, well, not, that's and, not the whole. That's one page of a book. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! It's so good. Oh, it's so uh, good. Ja, which one did you pick? I voted for the Krakoan Age. Well, one because I'm heavily invested in it at the moment, and it's interesting comic booking. And two because I knew that Claremont was going to win this one in the landslide. So. Well, that was my pick. I mean, it's hard to go against the Claremont era. So yeah, fifty-two percent of the vote. <laughs> well, he had a really long. How long was he on that book? Oh, geez. Like, really long time. I mean, I, he was on that book for, I think, I think, like, six or seven omnibuses. Measure time by omnibus. Right. That's well, no, I mean, it's like, what, mid-70s through, like, early yeah. 90s. Like, at least 15. Through, and not through, only that. Yeah, through, he, through, through when they started the new X-Men book. Right. Like, after the first or third issue, he was like, okay, Jim Lee, you don't want to listen to me anymore. Or you don't <laughs> understand how to... How to write for comic book characters and set things up over yeah. a 10-year span. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, he was writing, to Mikey's point, Excalibur. He was also doing, um, what, New Mutants New, for well, a little did, while. He did, he did first two omnibuses of New Mutants. 
So he was he was all about that X universe. Any case, uh, what's poll number two, J.A.? Favorite Star Wars property, not the original trilogy. So prequel Ooh. trilogy, sequel trilogy, the live action t- TV shows, or the animated series. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to start off by saying I love absolutely love the animated series and i've loved them ever since droids i i've been a fan of anytime star wars is animated uh, back in the day it was the way that you could do a lot more because you can always do a lot more in animation than you can in yeah. live action it, it the uh, suspension of disbelief is a lot easier because it's already a cartoon so you can just have vast massive fleets of ships fighting against each other and i will say this that the clone war series both the tartatoski i i I never know how to pronounce his name, but that series, as well as the more recent one, those really saved the Clone Wars and the prequels for me. If that hadn't been there and provided all that great backstory, Ahsoka Tano and all that stuff, that would have just been a miserable experience for me. So love that. Love Rebels. Love Tales of Jedi. All that stuff. Mikey? Probably the same. I really like those animated shows. Some of them take a little bit of time to get rolling. I, I'm not crazy about e, the Ewok series because it was really made kitty kitty, but it's it's cute fantasy stuff. But I really dig that droids cartoon from the 80s, man. I love it. I don't know what it is about that show, but I, I really dig it. So, right. J.A. I think I went with the prequel trilogy. Uh, what interested to, to me in this poll was that the sequel trilogy, man, the, the bloom has really fallen off the rose on that one. That got the, like, 4% of the vote. I And I remember when Force Awakens came out, everyone was like, yes, yeah, Star Wars was back. It's so awesome. Ah, it's, you know, it's like it was the anti-prequel trilogy trilogy it was the special effects were all lived in and it wasn't just computer generated cgi and all this and now everyone's kind of like oh it was just sort of retrograde and i i do love them like i think last jedi is like my second favorite star wars thing so what was the eventual winner j.a animated series won 40 percent of the vote live action tv shows came in second at 36 percent of the vote so right they were up against each other and i don't know you know third season of mandalorian had to follow up on what is probably the greatest live action television star wars series that has ever been made and in andor yeah you got dave filoni and you have a a, a single almost kind of single vision for where the story is going him and John Favreau. I mean, they're just they're they're building a mythology, and it's not a lot of different voices coming in all over the place and adding things and then taking things away. It's it's more consistent, which I think helps a lot. So, any case, poll number three, J.A. Best set of MCU movies. Uh, was it the first three Captain America movies? Was it the first four Thor movies? three Iron Man movies or the three Guardians movies. So which of those runs did you think was the best? Well, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you think, J.A.? What was your vote? I, uh, in terms of sort of compact storyline, storytelling, Captain America 1, 2, 3, it's got the best movie of all of the entire MCU Winter Soldier. So um, I, I went with Captain America. Yeah. What did you say, uh, Mikey? Same. You know, I mean, Civil War is is basically an Avengers movie. But really, I think if you had to sit somebody down who's never seen any of the MCU things, like I'm trying to get my, my, my girls to watch, but they, they, they're really not interested, but uh, it would be like the three Captain America movies. And then the, the Avengers movies is almost what you could whittle it down to. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's certain things that they may not get from prior movies, but really, if you had to whittle it down, that, that those are the ones. So, I, so yeah. I think that, yeah. that I, I agreed too. I mean, I gave that <coughs> a, a nod and I felt it was because those movies, I think they're a little more universal than even the Guardians of the Galaxy, although Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 were very, very strong. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was, was, was strong too. I, I liked that movie a lot, but like, honestly... For my money, my favorite MCU movie of all time is actually Captain America, the first Avenger. I really love Joe Johnston's direction in that. I love the storyline. I, lo- I I just love that movie. I really, really do. Was yeah. that the eventual winner, J.A.? Captain America won 40, 47% of the vote. Uh, Guardians came in second at 34% of the vote. Thor dead last at 3%. Wow. The second Thor movie is is pointless. <laughs> um, it really is like they had they had Christopher Eccleston as a villain and did nothing with him, like nothing at all. And I think that may be my least favorite Marvel movie as a whole, Thor Dark World. But that that's not saying that it's bad. Like even even the, uh, uh, my least favorite MCU movie is is at least entertaining. Like mm-hmm. it's entertaining enough. It's fine. It, it felt like it was just made just to 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 have a vehicle for the for that Infinity story stone thing yeah you know what i mean it just was it, it didn't do it for me but all right what was uh, poll number four ja best queen movie soundtrack there were only two <laughs> flash gordon or highlander oh so it was uh mono imano wow there can be only one yeah I, uh, I mean i think i know what one and i think it was the one i voted for i, I mean i voted for flash <sighs> just because yes. i love i i I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, um, as you might go back to our archives and listen to that episode just simply because I I think it was uneven in tone. But like that, that soundtrack is just, man, that's the best. I mean, the Highlander is a better movie, but at yeah. just soundtrack wise, Mikey, what would you pick? See, this is so difficult. It's so difficult. OK, probably Highlander. And they technically didn't really do a soundtrack for Highlander. They did songs that were in Highlander, and the album was called A Kind of Magic, and it's also got One Vision on there, which is one of the greatest opening tracks in the history of the world. But so, um, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to go with that, just because, as a, like, the Flash Gordon one is a soundtrack proper with instrumentals and things like that. Um, but but I prefer I prefer that, the, although there's... Some crap on that album too. <laughs> Pain is so close to pleasure. All oh, right, a J. A. Who? What'd you think? Oh, I went with Highlander. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've already, you always love that movie. I mean, yes. Which I, I mean, like the songs. Okay. The songs are better. I mean, you could listen to some of those songs outside of the movie, and you'd be all right, rocking down the street. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I don't think that you're gonna be like. Rolling down the highway, pumping out flash. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. Never, well, I never, mean, that, never driven all, with me. <laughs> that's the only one that anybody knows. Is that is that primary theme? You know, even though the the hero theme at the end is the better piece. Man, but that song is so good. Well, what one? <laughs> flash, flash. Yeah. Seven to forty three. Whoa, Ooh, that was that that was close. Not by mm. much, but. Mm. Uh, all right, fifth and final poll, J.A. Best Western movie. And obviously there's a ton of Western movies that have been made. Uh, it was The Wild Bunch, Unforgiven, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or High Noon. 
You're right. There were a ton you left off this list. Where was Good and Bad and the Ugly? Where was The Searchers? Where was uh, Stagecoach? Where was uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon? Where was The Man That Shot Liberty Valance? Where was Uh, Outlaw Josie Wales? Where was Lust in the Dust? (laughs) So let's let's go real quickly around and say, like, name one other one that should have been included that I just didn't say. So, Mikey, one one Western that you would have put on this list. Silverado. Silver. <laughs> All right. I love, I love Silverado. Silverado's so good. Okay. JA? Uh, 310 to Yuma. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. That's a great one. I, I was very surprised. No Magnificent Seven. The original Magnificent Seven with Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. It's a remake. The it's greedy guy and knife guy. And Charles Bronson. One of them. Go with Once Upon a Time in the West or Shane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Unforgiven one. I think it was name recognition mostly. I, yeah. I was disappointed that the Wild Bunch came in dead last when it's arguably the best of the four. Oh, wow. See, I would have chosen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yes. Kid myself because right. it's it's a comedy. I mean, it's sort of a comedy. It's, right. It's it's, I, it's a wonderful movie. Like you yeah. can. It's a feel good movie. Paul Newman in that is just great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, Wild, the Wild Bunch is it was a groundbreaking movie. It was one of the first movies to to have that sort of level of violence in it, and and it yeah, blood squibs, yeah, blood squibs, baby, yeah. But in any case, that was all of our polls for this week. Uh, so make sure that you're checking us out every single week. Still on Twitter at Last Comic Shop, so you can vote in these wonderful polls that Jay Scott puts out. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about some gems. Are we going to bedazzle your gloves with the Infinity Gauntlet? So stay tuned. A world where ancient disease-spewing warlords battle planet-sized robots. Where fallen Greek gods wage war against cybernetic undead unicorns. All in a day's work for the Lords of the Cosmos. Lords of the Cosmos, the critically acclaimed indie comic series, is about to return with a plus-size issue 5 coming soon on Kickstarter. A perfect gift for fans of old Saturday morning cartoons, retro vintage babes, and 80s-style mayhem. Join the Lords of the Cosmos on their latest adventure by signing up for the Kickstarter pre-launch at jasonlenox.com. Hey there, listeners. We're the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. Two sisters and Marvel fans who discuss all things Marvel content, including the Disney Plus shows, the movies, fan theories and predictions, Marvel news, and other hot topics in the MCU. Join us each week when new shows are airing on Disney+, Plus as we break down our thoughts on each episode, predictions about where it's going next, and potential implications for the wider MCU. We also share predictions and reactions to all MCU and MCU-adjacent movies and tackle other fun topics on a bi-weekly basis when there aren't any shows airing. You can find Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories on your podcast platform of choice, or check out our blog at letstalkmarvelfantheories.wordpress.com. So come along for the ride, because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. So we are back, and we are talking about the Infinity Gauntlet with a nice little amuse-bouche in Thanos Quest. Mm. Um, It certainly was amusing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So Mike... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who did uh, Thanos Quest first? Oh, God. I, well, the writer was the same, but I don't yeah. think the, the artists were the same as on right. the Infinity Gauntlet book proper. Both were written by uh, Jim Starlin. 
Infinity Gauntlet had art by George Perez for the first three issues, and then Ron Lim took over. Um, and then the Thanos quest, all the art was 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 by Ron Lim. And Tom Vincent <laughs> did the colors on Thanos quest, which is very different. It's sort of pastel-y. Yes. So, Andrew, give us the 10 cents. Oh, I guess it's 20 cents since you're giving us a yeah. synopsis of both. So, yeah, the, the 20 cent or 10 cent or however much you want to pay for this synopsis is Thanos is resurrected by death. Because she feels that there are more people alive or ever living than dead, and so she no, wants. No, no, there's there's more people alive in the universe at that moment than have ever died combined. Which I oh, that it's it's it's, it's wonky. But long story short, she's like Thanos, come back and kill a lot of folks. And initially, Death thinks it's just going to be Thanos, like I don't know, killing them one at a time, because. <laughs> That makes sense. I, I don't know. But he says, no way, man. I'm going to take some shortcuts. And an easy way to kill lots of people all at once is to get the Infinity Gems, which weren't a thing at that time. I know that everybody knows about the Infinity Gems. But up until this series, the Infinity Gems were like minor parts of the uh, overall Marvel continuity. But simply put, uh, Jim Starlin brings them into sharp focus in Thanos' quest. Uh, they're uh, held by six of the elders of the universe, which are the last remaining members of certain races. And most of them you've met before, whether it was the champion or the runner or the gardener or the grandmaster and collector, who are probably the most uh, famous of the of the bunch. Mm-hmm. But long story short, he goes around and he tricks all of these folks or beats the crap out of them or whatever to get the gems And then from there, he puts him in a gauntlet and decides he's going to snap away half of the universe's population. You know, again, like any good husband uh, trying to take every shortcut possible to just get the job done for his missus. Evidently, that pisses her off because she's like, oh, well, now I got to be subservient to you because you've got all this ultimate power. But it's weird. It's weird. Why does she have a skull face and then doesn't have a skull face? Because she's supposed to be showing the two aspects of death. The death is both like something scary and then something that's but beautiful. But like she just suddenly doesn't. Like she's like a skull and then and then it's did he just not want to draw a skull anymore? Or is it like, <laughs> like she just suddenly does <laughs> like I don't know. Listen, but long at the end of the day, uh, they, all the Marvel superheroes team up and they try to get the Infinity Gauntlet, but it was really just a ploy for Adam Warlock to set up other chess pieces on the board. And sooner or later, Thanos fails. He becomes a farmer for a while. <laughs> and it yeah. was uh, it was all because in the end, Thanos really never subconsciously he set his own failure in motion allowing nebula to take control of the infinity gauntlet yes yes and so that's the 10 cent synopsis or 20 cent synopsis and then again for those folks that have never read it before there is some supplemental reading which i highly recommend not only that you can get in this this omnibus but simply put this story starts way way back Thanos' first appearance in Iron Man 55, and then later in a bunch of stories called The Life of Captain Marvel, which you can get in a collection. It's the original Captain Marvel, um, you know, Marvel. Basically, Thanos has a plot way back then to do the exact same thing, except only with the Cosmic Cube. And Captain Marvel beats him the same way. And uh, later on, he tries this again with one of the Soul Gems, 
back when there really was only one in trying to destroy. And, and, and they were all just green, right? That was right. one thing. In, in I don't know if that was the colorist or they just hadn't worked it out yet because in, in Thanos Quest, all the soul gems were the same color. Yep. And then in, yeah. by the time it got to the Infinity Gauntlet, they changed the colors. The colors in the book don't correspond to the colors in the MCU. Yes, so, and that bothers yeah. me to no end. But to just wrap it up, a uh, great issue which you can get, which is Marvel 2-in-1, I think annual number two. It's weird that it's in a Thing book, but it's actually where Thanos dies and he tries to blow up all these suns or whatever. Uh, and he fails in that subconsciously on purpose as well. What's the one where he has a helicopter that says Thanos on it? <laughs> It's a super, that's a Spidey super story. Oh, okay. I the guess Thanos character. But it. any case, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about on today's program was something that we we just talked about earlier in the show, which was now that the this whole storyline has become gigantic because of the Infinity War movie and Endgame and whatever, which one do you prefer? And I guess we're going to start off with kind of J.A., not only his initial thoughts, but like then how it compares to the MCU. And then we'll get Mikey's thoughts. So, J.A., revisiting this, what would you think? And then what do you think in retrospect now? It reminded me why I loved it so much the first time I read it. And it then showed me how much was lost in translation when it, when it went to the MCU. That being said, I don't think... Some of what they have in the book, they could have transferred to the MCU because it would have been really boring. I mean, there's like three issues of Thanos just trying to impress death with all this different stuff and and questioning and, and you know, going mad and then trying to come back from going mad. The The big climactic battle isn't so much of a battle because he's got the gemstones, so he just controls everything. And again, as you said, it's just Adam Warlock shifting pieces around so that he can set up Silver Surfer, you know, trying to steal the gauntlet off the hand. Yeah, there's a lot of inner monologue with Thanos that I don't I don't think would have gone over so well on the MCU. I prefer the book, though. Okay, Mikey, now you said that. (laughs) Okay, no. Okay, so, well, first of all, I, I never read the I started, but I'm assuming Thanos Quest came out first. Yes. Okay. That was horrible. I hated every single moment of that book. (laughs) I hated it. I wanted them to give the Infinity Stones to Thanos just to shut him up. Like, he just (laughs) talks and talks and talks. I, Thanos, the mad god, shall bloppity bloopity blardity blar blar yakity yak yak yak. And then furthermore, I will blippity blah pretty blip with a side order of yama yama blah 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 blah. Like, Holy shit, just give him the glove and send him on his way. And like, I didn't like Ron Lim's artwork in there. I thought all the costume designs were just cheeseball. I really had a hard time getting through that book. And I was like, holy Christ, that's two issues that could have been three pages. Like, every character refers to themselves in third person over and over and over again. Like, just the goddamn new gods. That's all it is like it was all right all right now, I, I now, think you, so so moving on to infinity yeah, gauntlet right. was that better a little bit the first thing that grabbed me was george perez was on it so i was like okay this is comfortable for me because this is 
it's debatable whether or not this is kind of like Marvel's crisis. Kind of not real. I mean, I guess that would be Secret Wars, but it, 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 it has a very crisis feel to it. All of these other characters came in. It was really neat to see who, you know, who was gone, who wasn't gone, all this kind of thing. And it did grow on me. I just think Starlin, like we had talked about when we did the crisis show, I think Starlin, like Wolfman and like that whole era of writers are just super verbose and they just really overwrite things and you can look at it that way or you can look at it like it's a, a like Ragnarian epic like that's what they're speaking they're speaking in a very epic sort of way and and I can see why that appeals to people I think maybe it's my ADHD or something but it's really hard for me to because it just sounds unnatural and un, un, but but I did enjoy Infinity Gauntlet by the end a bit more. I liked little twists and turns that were in there, and I liked the fact that really kind of Thanos just sort of like, well, I blew it, and now this is what I'm going to do. So when it comes to the MCU version, it streamlined a lot of stuff for me. It made it tighter because it had to, like J.A. said. They would have had like three six-hour movies if they had to, if they wanted to do the entire story. But but yeah, I like I enjoy how streamlined it was. I enjoyed how they changed certain elements of it. I liked the relationship between it wasn't it wasn't nebula in the movies it was gamora yeah, kind of gamora, gamora filled sort of filled the sort of the nebula bit and and iron man sort of takes the yeah, silver yeah. surfer adam warlock amalgam turned, yeah. that's that's iron man essentially but, but there were some things that i didn't because I, I, I'm not really a Marvel guy and I wasn't reading at the time. Like, I didn't know the reference to whoever Thor was that wasn't Thor. Oh, I that's uh, Eric Masterson. I, oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. that's not Thor. That's, that's Thunderstrike just... eventually. Oh, gotcha. But so, yeah. so like. Right. Well, I, I'm going to I'm gonna stick up for this particular book. I, I, I really enjoyed both Thanos Quest and Infinity Gauntlet, honestly, because. Uh, I think for the same reasons, uh, Mikey, that you enjoyed Crisis as a DC guy. This was like a culmination of a lot of Marvel continuity that was coming together and kind of slamming. Like, for example, with Thanos' quest, you don't really understand Thanos' quest unless you read all of the Steve Englehart stuff of Silver Surfer. Because like the first 10 or 12 issues at the same time as Kree Scroll War II was going on. Yeah, Silver Surfer's going around and meeting all the elders of the universe who have all the gems and things like that. So it's kind of putting a capstone on like, hey, there are these things that are kind of super important and they've been always in the background, but now we're bringing them to the forefront. So that's mm-hmm. kind of neat. Um, I like Thanos' quest more just simply because despite it being a little bit verbose, I like the fact that Thanos <laughs> is very calculating on how he gets the gems. Like there's a particular pattern in which he gets them and how he defeats like the in-betweener and then like the champion next. And like, it seems very calculated. And so it makes him a very interesting character. Again, the best villains are always the heroes of their own story. So that was really good. In, com- in terms of uh, Infinity Gauntlet, there were actually some things upon this rereading post-MCU that I actually forgot were in there, right? In essence, the snap has become so important since, you know, Infinity War and Endgame that, like, I forgot that the snap is actually in the Infinity Gauntlet. Well, but they don't spend a lot of time on it. They're just like, snap, and then people disappear. And yeah. like, nobody cares. They move uh, on. Go yeah, ahead. I was, I was going to mention that. Like, it felt like the snap, that element of it had way more impact in the movies than it did in the book. Because there's no five-year time right, frame right. between snap and then the fight back. It's like, 
instantaneous. And, and the other thing is like Earth is careening off its orbit away from the sun. Yeah. Logically, physically, that can't happen. It's not how yeah. physics works, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Again, it, it kind of culminated a lot of continuity. If you, again, you read those other past stories with Thanos, you realize that like Adam Warlock was completely right in knowing that eventually Thanos would be his undoing because he's always his own undoing and, and, and it's going to happen again. I would have liked Adam Warlock to have been a little more, how do I say, confident in that approach and been like, I don't know why everybody's worried about this because like he's just going to end up fucking things up in the end anyways because yeah. that's Thanos. His daddy didn't love him. Yeah, I don't know. His mama didn't love him. I don't know. He's just got problems. Yeah. So I think my favorite issue in this entire Infinity Gauntlet was... And I think it was J.A.'s favorite issue back in the day, too, because it had Ron Lim art and it had all of his. Hey, Andrew, these guys are the most powerful people in the universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, was yeah. Thanos versus like Galactus. Yeah, yeah. Galactus and uh, chaos and order and love and hate and all these celestials. And, and they essentially destroy a galaxy of three in, in their epic and and the watcher just i can only watch there's yeah, two yeah. things i love about this is like the watcher just refusing to do anything but watch because that's all he does and the living tribunal saying hey actually he can do it you know i might not agree with it but yeah. he's not breaking any law <laughs> and then and then gamora turns him all to stone um, no, no. so you, you know it's really interesting actually if you think about uh, so so with the mcu early 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 on at the end of Avengers, where we see Thanos for the first time, there's that there's that stinger. They, the the character that he's talking to, I, I guess, is one of the aliens or whatever. He actually says, um, you know, to 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 trifle with the Avengers is to court death. And Thanos turns and gives a smile, like mm-hmm. to court death. I wonder if back then they wanted that to be it because the death element is not a part of the story. Yeah, that that him him wanting to bend old death over and, and, and give him the old what for <laughs> is, is not part of the streamlining of that storyline. Uh, right. No, you're of. absolutely right. There are certain parts and aspects of, again, the overall story, especially Thanos's obsession with death, uh, which were changed to just basically like I need, uh, you know, to balance the universe. I, I will say this, that I feel like the Thanos that you meet in Endgame is much more closer to the Thanos that you see in the comic books. He seems a little more like, yeah, I'm just going to kill people for the sake of killing people uh, versus the one in infinity war, which is a little more noble. And he has like a quest or whatever, and he's sacrificing so much. But at the end of the day, I I guess the last question I'll have is I honestly think that my favorite thing about the comic book versus the MCU movie is in the MCU. I really truly think that you can say that Thanos is a bad guy. In the comic book, I actually don't think that you could say Thanos is a bad guy. I think you can say that he has a completely different set of morality, uh, but he's a lot more complex, I feel, even in the comic books. Like, I mean, you from going, his, going all living tribunal. I, I don't know. Like, see, I, I feel the opposite way. I feel like he's very, very Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Washing hands of it out here i think he's an absolute bonkers nut job in the comics but in the movie he's got an idea that he thinks is actually going to repair the galaxy and kind of does he's kind of right pollution drops and all those other things drop 
but but then at the end of it, his hubris and his his arrogance is is what does him in. See, in the comics, he's he's just a nutcase. He's crazy. See, I think uh, that's more that's more compelling and complex. Yeah. And by the end of it, he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm okay. I I I, I try to get ultimate power, and it hasn't worked out for me. And I'm fine just being a farmer. And good luck with anybody else that tries to do this because heck, I'm. I mean, Jay, what do you think? Is he more of a bad guy in the movie or in the comic? He's much more deranged in the comic. He's much more diluted by power and and sort of his quest. He's is very much a man who is focused on getting somewhere as opposed to what will happen once he gets there. In the movie, I think he has a much more reasoned end game in mind. He knows what he's going to do once he gets the stones. And then once he does that, he destroys the stones and he's happy. Whereas in the comic book, he doesn't really ever figure out. And, and that's the other thing that I really like about the comic is in the movies, he never wrestles. And Tony Stark, they, they never wrestle with what having the Infinity Gauntlet does to you. You know, the idea of you becoming a god and having your mind, a mortal mind, have to wrap itself around this idea of controlling all of time and all of reality. And, and that's one thing that they really go into in the book. It's why Nebula can't use the gauntlet very well. It's why Thanos has issues with the gauntlet. It's because they can't control this huge, immense power. They were they were never built to control. And, and, and you know, the MCU, it's just that, oh, it's going to make your arm wither a bit because you can't handle the gamma rays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, one thing that we hope you can handle is our ratings. And that will happen right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shop and our review of Infinity Gauntlet right after this. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than The Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. We're back oh, with more of The Last right. Comic Shop, and it's now time for some of them ratings. Real, real quick, I got I got some questions about this, though. I got, okay. So it doesn't end here, right? There's right. like Infinity War, and I know there's three books I have to get because Alan Davis drew it. I only buy it because Alan Davis, like the Infinity Children <laughs> and the whatever they are, Thanos. Yeah, so... so-, so- after the Infinity Gauntlet, then you get the Infinity Watch. So Adam Warlock breaks up the gauntlet, 
And he's got him and Pip the Troll and Gamora and a couple of other ones who I can't remember. They all walk around with Infinity Stones on their foreheads. Yeah. Okay. And eventually it leads to both Infinity War and Infinity Crusade, which to Jay's point is um, the after effects of, again, why Adam Warlock wasn't really even capable of wielding the gauntlet appropriately. Because in wielding the gauntlet... Uh, he basically separates both the good and bad parts of his personality into only se- into the separate entities. Yes. Yeah, you get the magus. And the goddess, who is the, the good version, Infinity Crusade. And they end up having their own agendas for how they want to rewrite the universe. So again, even Adam Warlock, pretty crappy when it comes to wielding <laughs> the gauntlet. Yeah. Which is weird because eventually, like the Marvel heroes would get the infinity gems and evidently the Illuminati thought they were going to be okay with wielding them. No, no, nobody, nobody should have these things. So what's the current status of the infinity gauntlet? Oh, geez. I, well, the last I heard was again, the Illuminati had the gems. Um, they had split each of the gems among all the members of the Illuminati. So that's Iron Man, Dr. Strange, professor X, uh, Reed Richards, N- mm-hmm. Namor, and Black Bolt. They all had a gem. Uh, they kept them in pocket universes. And I think, again, the last I ever heard was uh, the precursor to Hickman's Secret War. Uh, they gave all the gems to Captain America to have him try to stop the incursions that were happening, to use his power to save the uh, 616 from all the incursions. and set, But at the end of the day, even Captain America couldn't wield it properly, so they mind-wiped him and then tried again. I, I don't know. It, it was real weird, but it is interesting to note that in a lot of other multi-universes, uh, Reed Richards holds the Infinity Gauntlet solely. Like, a lot of the members of the Council of Reeds have the Infinity Gauntlet and use it willy-nilly to remake the universe. So, I guess Reed thinks he's awesome enough to do it. In any case... We're going to be awesome enough to get a one out of four scale, and it comes from J.A. Scott. What is our one out of four scale this week? I was going to say one out of four pips because there was a character that did not show up in the MCU, Mephisto, as well. Oh, he's in the MCU? He's in that last scene in uh, Eternals, in the stinger. Pip Pip is, yes, but not, not Mephisto, who plays a significant role in the comic book version of the Infinity Gauntlet. But... I will say uh, one out of four Adam Warlock machinations because the last three books is all him just playing chess with himself and not telling anybody else what he's doing. Not even Dr. Strange knows. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to go first uh, with mine, and I I think this is a solid three. Um, I mean, it's hard to not give the Infinity Gauntlet at least the three just simply because this is one of the seminal events in all of Marvel continuity. And in the, what, 30-some years since it was first published, this has become the cornerstone of a lot of what people remember. I think it's more well-known than even Secret Wars at this point in terms of Marvel crossovers, given the fact of its influence on the movies. I think it's really good. I think if you've watched any of the MCU movies, you owe it to yourself to read the Infinity Gauntlet, even if Mikey says it's verbose, you should at least read it so that you have a, a general sense of where a lot of these ideas came from. And I still think it's a quick read. I read it in like, what, an hour and a half or something like that. But I highly recommend that if you like it, 
to go back, see if you can find some of Jim Starlin's earlier work, whether it was on uh, his Warlock series proper, where he introduced folks like the Magus who would eventually show up. You, you get more of the Thanos-Adam Warlock friendship because they are truly friends in this. They're not uh, adversaries. It's just kind of like they're playing chess against each other in the park. You know, that's what friends do sometimes. But yeah, I, I think it's a solid three. J.A. I'm going to give it a little bit higher than that, simply because it has all the good cosmic goodness that I love. And uh, so I'm giving it three and a half. Adam Warlock Machinations. I love all the turns. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, Nebula picking up the the gauntlet. Uh, I remember reading that for the first time back in the day and being like, whoa, I did not see that coming at all. I mean, I was a lot younger, too. So. <laughs> uh, but, you know, having Adam Warlock sort of, you know, I know you, Thanos, because I know the Soul Gem and I'm a part of the Soul Gem. The whole Soul World aspect of it, again, another thing that I, MCU kind of got a bit, but it was all transferred to Gamora. And, and of course, you know, a lot of Silver Surfer goodness in this. Uh, so anytime you get Silver Surfer, it's a good day. Yeah. Have you ever read the What If Silver Surfer got the Infinity Gauntlet? If you I did, yes, yes, I did. Are you a fan of that? I, story? I used to, I used to own it, I think, uh, and I probably sold it or it's somewhere. Maybe it's in that See, box. He he can't handle it. He he can't handle yeah. the power. You can't handle the truth. And he ends and up. You he ends, can't he ends handle up, the power. He, well, he ends up. He ends up trying to do so much good that he can't. And then I think he gives it away. Uh, I forget here, how it ends. Here, take it. Gives it to some kid on the street, like like <laughs> yes, like, Joe, yes. like Mean Joe Green in that Pepsi commercial. Here, kid, have an Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Mikey, you were the most critical of this particular. You book. know, I just think on a taste level, there are things that just don't vibe with me. Like even even as much as I dig DC and stuff, Crisis is a tough read too for the same reason. It's just like, oh my god. So I mean, I I, I would certainly give it like a two and a half or so like somewhere nice nice and firm in the middle leaning towards better than the middle because i can see why it would appeal to a bunch of people like i can see why why people would love it it is huge and epic and giant and cosmic and 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 people say grandiose things and do grandiose stuff and there's kind of stakes and the world is destroyed and japan disappears and like all sorts of stuff goes on and i could see the branches that go out to like i was going to ask if you guys re- were reading this at the time yeah. and if it if it impacted all of the other titles, like did they did or was it like it vaguely impacted other titles or, or, or whatever? Because that's a big deal I, for everybody to disappear for a day or however long a week. No, there was a lot of like, oh, the world was ending. So then you have these like side stories like there was one where they're doing planning and Silver Surfer is not needed. So he goes out and, and flies around New York and he comes across tigers and bears and animals wandering yeah. around and takes them back and somebody shoots one and it turns out that rhino was releasing animals from the zoo because if they're going to die let's let, you know let them oh, have wow. some freedom and then a hunter or somebody shoots an animal and rhino is like well i didn't expect that to be the consequence of my actions and then silver surfer saves the animal and brings it back to life and rhino and the silver surfer put all the animals back in the zoo oh that's nice that's a disney movie rhino and yes. the silver surfer in- like rhino wants to pound on him and and you know there's this great scene where he charges silver surfer and then silver surfer just 
stops him by capturing his horn. Oh, uh, you see, I mean, because you know, with the nature of crossovers, it could it, when they do a company wide crossover, an editorial is like, listen, we're doing this big event, and it has to affect your book somehow. It could be anywhere from Batman saying the sky is red, that's strange, and then going on with his day to to like having actual actual stakes. So uh, reading the omnibus, you must it must be kind of a mixed bag. But yeah, no, I agree with Andrew in that if you if you dig the if you dig the movie storyline, then look up the comic book storyline that ins- that I, I, I can't even say inspired. I guess it inspired it because they're they're vastly different. The outcomes are different. The stakes are different. It's vastly different. Um, but but yeah, so certainly worth reading. And 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 there you go. Okay. Well, some other books that are worth reading are our recommendations. Yes, these are other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to the Infinity Gauntlet and any of the myriad ways you can get it nowadays, whether you want to get that omnibus that J.A. is talking about, whether you want to get a trade paperback, which is very accessible now. Uh, You can potentially get some of the issues fairly cheap, except for number one. Number one is fairly pricey you're going to put down some money on that book nowadays Mm. but uh regardless of how you get these comic books make sure that you're picking them up and we're going to start off with j.a scott so j.a what is your recommendation this week i am recommending some more cosmic goodness this is the marvel cosmic universe by donny kate's omnibus volume one this collects a couple of different fun stories the first one is thanos wins so if you didn't get enough mad titan you can do uh the first story is basically a look at his journey to dominate the universe as told by Donny Cates, and then you get a story uh, with Cosmic Ghost Rider because he shows up and he's trying to fix the universe after Thanos messed it all up. You get uh, the death of the Inhumans, which is the, some Kree hardliners are trying to kill all the Inhumans and Black Bolt. I think he takes the Inhumans and they have to run away and and basically become refugees and then you get a really really good and beautifully drawn uh silver surfer story silver surfer black which we talked about i think i recommended before and chad wants to read so at some point maybe we will cover it Mm. on the show yeah no you're absolutely right that thanos wins uh is a really great story again that's where that cosmic ghost rider comes from that just bonkers concept but just made sense after donny cates introduced it uh, and it ha- does have an awesome panel where basically Thanos blows the head off of Galactus. Wow. <laughs> it's just clean off. Like, wow. It is something to behold. But, uh, Mikey, what's your recommendation this week? Um, I, you know, I as a palate cleanser for big Wagnerian epic kind of stuff, I read a really wonderful hardcover graphic novel called Grass of Parnassus by Catherine and Stuart Immonen. And Grass of Parnassus is a sci-fi comedy. It started out as a uh, kind of like a web comic on their Instagram for a while. And then they put out a hardcover copy, beautiful slip cover that you can get for like 30 bucks on, on, on Amazon. There's a spaceship called the Grass of Parnassus. And there's uh, it's described as having angry space techs and anxious energy workers and ramen robots and arcade owners and, and vat-driven bears. I mean, it's just big and lots of characters and funny and light and interesting and beautiful because Stuart Immerman's artwork is I buy books I'm not interested in just because Stuart Immerman um so yeah Grass of Parnassus 
It's really good. There you go. And if you need an additional palate cleanser, I can recommend a great book that recently came out from Humanoids, uh, which was the comic publisher we just talked to a couple weeks ago when we had uh, Mark Russell on the show. Uh, This particular book is called Eight Limbs, and it's done by Stephanie Phillips, Julia Lally, and Lee Lothridge. And uh, it's the story of a Muay Thai fighter uh, named Joanna, who had a a difficult childhood, but has uh, made best of her life in becoming a uh, champion Muay Thai fighter in the ring and becoming the foster mother for a young girl named Mari, who has similar issues with aggression and uh, wants to become a fighter herself. It's that classic story in the vein of Rocky, which in which, you know, Uh, Boxing or Muay Thai fighting is kind of like the backdrop to tell a really human story about uh, the struggles that we all go through in life and uh, how we can come together to overcome those as a family. And uh, again, the art is wonderful from Julia Lally and uh, Stephanie Phillips' writing is, is on point. Uh, I felt for all of the characters throughout the entire book and thanks so much to Humanoids for providing us with a copy here at the last comic shop so that I could then share with all of you. So make sure you're picking that up. And uh, also make sure that you're checking us out every single week over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific website where you can get all of our episodes evergreen. And if you are still making those road trips throughout the summer, make sure that you're downloading plenty of episodes to make those drives more enjoyable. And while you're there, Make sure that you check on our link for 10% off all of your comic book bags, boards, and boxes over at bcwsupplies.com. Use the promo code LCSPOD and get 10% off your order. Should you need things to keep all of your issues of Infinity Gauntlet looking real nice. J.A.? Also check out our website. we got links to a growing, innumerable growing list of social media I think that we're going to go into this giant social media battle and, you know, there can be only one and a year from now, Khaleesi will, will come out with some Khaleesi Twitter clone that will win it all. I don't know. Regardless, we've also got links to our merch store, um, T-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, this week only, Infinity Gauntlets, wow. minus the gemstones, wow. just the gauntlet. So I, it's essentially a glove. We're going to sell some gloves. <laughs> nice looking gloves too like they make it they make an infinity gauntlet uh pot holder for your like oven oven mitts did you ever see that it's i never saw that that's awesome i did did like that the the infinity gauntlet in the book is is just thanos's glove and it's floppy yes yeah it's like uh hunting with a hawk or something um what do they call that falconry or yeah 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 there you go but any case mikey uh uh be sure to check out your local comic shop so that we are not the last comic shop and uh buy all of the books that we recommended today uh such as grasses parnassus and the other two which you could just rewind a little bit (laughs) and and, and listen to it and the infinity gauntlet (laughs) of course and the infinity gauntlet of course and and thanos quest if you have to listen he gets the gems that's all you need to know and then they're they're all green 
They're all green. They, yeah, that's weird. They're all green. Well, I guess it wasn't what. Yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, we're hoping that Chad Smith is back next week for our review of sure are. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem, as well as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, Saturday Morning Adventures from IDW. So make sure that you're tuning in back into the last comic shop for that. Until then, I was the host of the most. I was joined by Jay Scott and Mikey Wood. And until next week, stay safe. Stay snappy. Ha And remember that if you look up how to make your own ice cream on the computer, don't bother because it'll just make your computer freeze. Oh, my God. Uh, you to snap me away, right? Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.